All right, Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. And I think the main thing that we're really trying to get at here that Mark's trying to highlight is, am I an active supporter of Jesus? Am I an active opponent of Jesus? Or am I just a critic, just another critic? And here again in Mark, we've got a very similar thing we've seen a lot of times where we've got a Mark sandwich, we'll call it. Bread, meat, bread. An idea, another idea with a similar idea on the other side, sandwiching these things together. And the sandwich I think here is you've got a, people that are opposed to Jesus. Then we've got people that are supporters of Jesus. And then we have, again, opposition to Jesus. All those, I think, coming together to help contrast these ideas. Let's go ahead and read through the passage. Mark 14, it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Remember, this is the week of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. All the nation of Israel has gathered to Jerusalem, and a part of that feast is the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. Same thing. They just keep trying to get after him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. You know, you've got a massive crowds that are, for the most part, all siding with Jesus. And these guys, just the constant politicians, they realize that they want to get rid of Jesus, but they can't do it plainly in front of people. And while Jesus was at Bethany, nearby town, in the house of Simon the leper, we don't know anything about this guy. Was he somebody that Jesus healed? I presume that he is healed because they wouldn't be having a party at a leper's house. Now, we know that Jesus wasn't at all afraid of ministering to people that had leprosy or other kinds of diseases and sicknesses, but he's kind of known as the guy. You know, Simon, the leper, which is kind of fascinating and also cool to think that here you've got a guy whose life has been completely transformed by Jesus. Now there's community forming around him. Jesus was reclining at table and a woman came with an alabaster flask of an ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. You know, so ointment and perfumes in those days were very, very expensive, like elite level kind of wealth was what it required to have something like that. And they were in these flasks with a really long neck so that they were completely sealed. They didn't have a top. You, you, to use it, you actually bro broke the top so that you could then pour out the ointment. And that's what this lady does. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? Which is, I think, a really good question to ask. This is a significant amount of money that just got poured out on Jesus's head. And here's how much. It says, for this ointment, could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. A denarii was one day's wage for a typical laborer in those days. So more than 300, that would be, you know, like basically like a year's worth of wages. I mean, even if you take um, the, you know, uh, minimum wage of today and, and, and add it all up to one year's worth of that, that is a significant amount of money to just like pour out on somebody's head. It says that they scolded her, the people that are all with Jesus. Like you just made a mistake. That was all wasted. We could have given it to the poor. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And look at how Jesus continues to praise her. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, 
you can do good for them, which I think is kind of an interesting thing of saying like, guys, you could help them anytime you wanted to. What what exactly are you waiting for? Are you waiting for like $60,000 to just drop on your lap? Oh, it's like, whoa, I just found a $60,000 bag of money. Yay, I can finally help the poor. Is that really what your problem is, guys? But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, which is really an amazing thing talking about where, I mean, he knows what's coming in the next couple of days. He says, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Talk about an incredible honor. I mean, this is a beautiful thing that she has done. She has given an unbelievable, valuable gift directly to the creator, to the savior. And that is not at all a waste, is what Jesus is saying. And now we get the other part of the bread sandwich. Then Judas Iscariot, who is one of the 12, so this is one of the 12 disciples. We all know the story. When he went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, the the chief priests and leaders, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And so here you also have another theme of like kind of this money theme going throughout. She takes this, this woman takes this incredibly valuable thing and just pours it on Jesus's head. And people are like, oh, what about the poor? What about the poor? We could have used that in a better way. And then Judas goes and betrays Jesus just to make a little bit of money on the side. You can kind of see how some people are opposed. Some people are supporting Jesus. Some people are critics of Jesus. But are they really supporters of Jesus? Um, You know, we have, I think, uh, in my opinion, we have a lot of critics in our day and age. And it is very easy to find what's wrong with other people. You know, you guys could watch my videos and I'm sure you guys have you know, heard some of what I've said and like, ah, well, I don't know if I agree with that or it could have been done a little differently. And that's fine. I, I need to be critiqued and I want to be, get better. I appreciate that. I know for a fact that not everything I teach, I'm sure is accurate and truthful. We need good critique of one another. But we also have a lot of kind of critiques where it's just sort of sitting on the sidelines and it's just like, man, I could have done that better. You know, it's the classic Monday morning quarterback, as they say. You know, it's the it's the critic on Monday, the sports writer on Monday who says, well, you know, if the quarterback had just looked to his left, he would have seen the open receiver and they would have won the game. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like it is so easy to sit on the sidelines and critique what's going on. And I think really at the heart of it is who am I really desiring to support here? Am I really pursuing Jesus? Is he the one that gets everything that I have? Is, is the worship of him, all that I have, I want to give to him for his kingdom and for his glory. I just don't think that we can go wrong if that's really at the heart desire of who we are. Uh, one of the great um, uh, evangelists of, of the last, I guess it was, I guess it was a little over a hundred years ago, D.L. Moody, I forget the exact dates, but um, well-known evangelist who led many, many people to Jesus And he also had a lot of critics and he had this great line to say, he said, it's clear you don't like my way of doing evangelism. You raise some good points 
Frankly, I sometimes do not like my way of doing evangelism, but I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. And that's just like the classic burn, right? You can just imagine that being done on, on social media somewhere. But it, the, the point is, is that, okay, yeah, we could probably do better, but Christians, we spend way too much time just critiquing one another and the way that we do things, the way that we say things, our, our methods and all of our theology. Is it all lined up exactly right? Why not a little less critique and a little more action on what God wants from us? I think that's really important. The other thing I think that this passage really highlights that can be a problem within Christian culture is utilitarianism. You know, it's like, is there any value in beautiful art? Is there any value in spending lots of time creating music, um, paintings, architecture, um, or should we just, you know, like when we build a church, should it just be a pole barn with sheet metal and some shingles on top and be done with it, you know, so that we can have more money to give to the poor? And there is a tension, and I think there it should be a wrestling about in terms of being good stewards of what we have. But I think what Jesus is saying here is that if it's dedicated to him, if it is given in worship of him, that is a beautiful and good thing. It is not all about just giving to the poor because we can always do that. That is always possible for us. It's about our heart being oriented towards him and worship of him. That's what matters first and foremost. And I think again, like we've said before, when that is lined up right, then the other things fall into place. How much should we give to the poor versus how much should we give to you know, the arts or, or to culture or other kinds of things that can be expressions of his glory that point people and help people to encounter him. Those are tough questions to answer, but I think at the very least we can say, let's not be critics. Let's not be critics of one another. Let's not sit on the sidelines and just, you know, nitpick the details of what could have been better, what, what could have been smoother, what, what, you know, well, they've got this little piece of theology that maybe needs to be refined a little bit. Let's stop doing that and let's stop being utilitarian in our mindset where it's always about measuring and penny pinching for the highest and best thing. And um, I, I just don't think that's a, a, a very healthy kind of way. God does care about the way we do things. It's not just about the ends, which is very utilitarian. And the worship of him is immensely valuable. And there is nothing wasted on Jesus, which is, I think, a really cool idea to go with there. So I'm really looking forward to discussing with this with you guys. But where do you fall? Hopefully you're not an opponent. Hopefully you're not a critic. I hope that you are pursuing Jesus.